Hello and welcome to the True Girl Momcast. Today you're listening to bonus episode number three of the Lies Moms Believe miniseries with Dana Grush and me, Janet Mylan. Has your kid ever asked you a question and you are entirely caught off guard? You're telling your face to remain unshocked, but on the inside you're mid-level freaking out? Let's talk about that today. And as always, if you're interested in helping your tween daughter get free from lies she's believing, click on the Lies Girls Believe link in our show notes to learn more about that on-demand study. Let's dive in. Hi again. Welcome back to Lies Moms Believe. I'm Dana Grush, the author of Lies Girls Believe and the creator of True Girl. And I'm Janet Milan, one of the lead teachers here at True Girl and the author of Arrows Make Terrible Crowns. It's a great book. Dana, I have a question for you. Okay. What do you think? I I have a a tool in mind that I think every mom needs. I'm curious what you think is a tool that every mom needs. Mm. Days off, for sure. Mm -hmm. Bubble baths. Mm -hmm. Probably a sign on the bathroom door that says, I need space. Seriously, do not come in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are all great tools and I wholeheartedly agree. But there's another tool I think every mom can't possibly do mom life without. What is it? It is a poker face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Standard issue, mom. Standard issue. Everyone needs a poker face. The ability to make your face do what's different than what your head is thinking, right? (laughs) Because your head is freaking out when you need it. Right. And (laughs) right. So you don't want to give away what you're actually thinking. So we need to do this with our kids. We need a face that's kind of expressionless and -hmm. doesn't give away what we might be thinking. So I guarantee but at some point in every mom's life, she's going to need that poker face. Oh, yeah. One day, your kid is going to sit in the end of your bed and say words that are going to make your jaw want to drop to the floor and your eyes pop out of your head. Yeah. But you cannot. Or you're going to or you're going to say, you did what? Right. You can't do it. You got to keep the mouth closed. No yeah. words. And your face has to change because if you respond yeah. in that mm-hmm. moment like you're actually feeling, you could yeah. crush something that is a potential connective moment with your kids. I imagine right? you have a practiced poker face. <laughs> yeah, sure. I do. This was my poker face and still is. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah, you just got to. I got to make sure my eyebrows don't go up too high because that can. Yeah, that could, that's, that that's not a good yeah, poker your face. Your eyes have to join the poker face <laughs> <Right>? party. <laughs> yeah, so, but here's the thing. We've all been practicing our yeah. poker face ever since our kids are little. Yeah. Ever since your kid first brought home artwork. <laughs> Right? We've all done yeah. it. Maybe you think, well, it's wrong to lie and tell your kids something's great when it's, you know, I, not yeah. whatever. Like Robbie drew our whole family. It looked like bowling balls with little sticks on the bottom. <laughs> I love kids' family pictures. Yes, yes, they're great. They're the best. But we need to be able to look at our kids' artwork when they're little and say, yes, I totally see what you were going for here. It's perfect, right? We can't look at them yeah. and say, what were you thinking? That doesn't look anything like a horse. It's just like modern art. It's just expressive. Right. <laughs> right. But if we did tell them that truth of that, like, this doesn't look like a horse, yeah. it would crush something precious in right. them. And we don't want to do that. So we need to learn how to fix our face. Just fix our face. To fix our face. Make our poker face happen so we don't crush something potentially <laughs> yeah. important with right. our kids. Right? Love it. Yes. So speaking of some, like, jaw-dropping conversations, potentially, in the last teaching, you mentioned some pretty heavy topics, right? And so now we need to talk about how to handle those kinds of conversations. Are you ready to tell us one more lie moms believe in the truth? I am. Yes. Thank you. So let me remind you that the mom lies we're exploring were revealed as I hit the road, made coffee, and had long conversations with focus groups filled with moms. I did this in 11 cities. And here's one of the lies we detected. 
it's too soon to talk to my daughter about fill in the blank. And then moms brought topics up like porn. Let me remind you, the average age of the first time a child sees pornography is 11. If that's the average age, many of them are seeing it before that age. Gender, parents were afraid of that. Uh, let me remind you, we have kindergartners transitioning and drag queens visiting public school libraries for story time. Dating, moms were afraid to talk about that, but many girls feel like their lives would be better if they had a boyfriend by age 12 or 13. In those focus groups, when we discussed the need to talk about those kinds of issues, some moms defended the fact that their daughters didn't yet believe lies in these off-limit topics. One mom explained her daughter's supposed resilience to lies this way. If I don't talk to my daughter about fill in the blank, a lie won't have the opportunity to present itself. Really? How do you know? If you haven't discussed something with her, you don't really know what she does or doesn't believe, right? I find that our daughters are usually ready to tackle these scary topics much sooner than we are. Tween girls are actually precisely at the age when they're developmentally sorting through what they do and do not believe, and they are eager for your tutoring. For example, from the ages of two to five, children copy beliefs. Whatever mom does, feels, thinks, I do too. But from the age of six to 12, they consider beliefs. Why does mom do, feel, think that way? I might do it too if I understand it. So this is a really interactive phase of moral development that's characterized by asking a lot of questions. Um, I, I actually had a conversation with a 12-year-old in my home church that kind of helps explain this. I was teaching on the Ten Commandments and um, a girl afterwards had a lot of questions. She peppered me with questions about the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Why is it on Sunday? Why, why does God want us to rest? Who's supposed to do it? Can you cook? Can you make your bed? Brush your teeth? I answered every question one by one. And then this little girl kind of fell silent and she sat still. But I could see that her brain was still processing. And then she said, my mom and dad don't believe in Sabbath. They might say they do, but they don't rest on Sundays. Dad works on papers and mom cleans a lot. You see, that brief conversation kind of shows the complex sorting of thoughts that help children reject or embrace the truth. While they're still observing and copying us, it's a lot more discerning than before. By the end of their 11th or 12th years, they generally have a rather complex foundation for their belief system. The roots have been established, even if they have some growing to do. Here's what you have to remember. The questions they ask are critical to rooting and nurturing truth in them. So answer them, all of them, no matter how annoying they may be. Now, during your daughter's tween years is the most important time to plant seeds of truth in her heart. My friend George Barna, who invested several years of his life researching the religious beliefs and behaviors of Americans, puts it this way. What you believe by your 14th birthday is generally what you die believing. Think about that. When I discovered this, I realized how critical it was for me to plant foundational truth into my children between the ages of eight and 12. And that helped me gain the courage to send fear packing. And I hope it'll do the same for you. I know firsthand how hard it is to tell fear where the suitcases are stored. So here's a Bible verse I actually memorized and wore out while I was parenting my children. 
2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We can't operate out of a spirit of fear because it's not from God. And I do think that many mothers embrace godly self-discipline to find the right timing and the right words for these complex discussions. But I also think some operate in fear when they avoid essential developmental conversations. Fear that they won't know what to say. Fear that it's too soon. Fear that it'll mess their daughter up. Fear that their daughter will be tempted by the information she hears. Meditating on fear usually causes us to delay certain conversations far beyond reason. You know, the most shocking thing that happened in my focus group is one mom actually said this, I think the best time to talk about sex is right before she's ready to do it, so I think we should tell her the night before her wedding. Poker face. I believe now, while her heart is still afire with questions, is the right time to plant truth. I'm not saying you should throw caution to the curb, just the fear. You still need wisdom to navigate difficult topics with age-appropriate care. It's a righteous desire not to want your daughter to have knowledge of good and evil. But that's exactly what God was concerned for um, Adam and Eve about. He told them not to eat the fruit of the tree to protect them because he didn't want firsthand experience to rob them of their innocent and with it bring really terrible consequences. And it did. It brought terrible consequences for all of us. When we parent out of fear, we set our daughter up to listen to the voices that lie. Now, when it came to Adam and Eve, they heard the one and only voice that could lie to them in the Garden of Eden. Satan chose a snake for the job. But today, he has many mouthpieces to speak lies to our children. In fact, it can be difficult to avoid them. Advertisements, movies, friends, political systems, even trusted leaders can sometimes be the source of lies. If we're not careful, our fear-driven silence actually becomes a megaphone for those voices to plant lies in the hearts of our children. Dana, I have a question. I love that George Barna stat. I think mm -hmm. it's important and just so yeah. compelling. Yeah. I'm thinking about um, moms who maybe adopted kids when they were older than tweens. You and I both adopted kids we at did. older age. Or I'm thinking about the mom who didn't even become a Christian until her yeah. kid was a teenager who might be watching. And um, certainly that doesn't mean there's no hope, right? Exactly. George Barna himself came to Christ in his 20s. So mm -hmm. there are always anomalies and there's grace. Like you and I have had to ask for God's grace to parent these two girls that we got in their older years. My daughter was actually 13 when we got her. Mm -hmm. So she would have been almost to the end mm -hmm. of that opportunity to plant truth in her heart. And you do have to plant it differently and with lots of extra prayer. But God does have um, the ability to just kind of override some of the lies that have, been, that have been planted in our kids. Yeah, I found that with my daughter, I would ask God to expose a lie, which is kind of like pop up. And then I would just ask him for the ability to pull it out and replant something. So and I beautiful. feel like he's done that over and over again. So we can all be encouraged to know that God is almighty and all powerful and gives us wisdom That's right. in all of our situations. I want to get really practical okay. right now yeah. um, because you've mentioned some pretty intense topics here today, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm going to say a topic that you mentioned today. And I want you to give us a question, an age-appropriate mm. question for like maybe an eight-year-old okay. to do with that topic. So something that 
we could just ask an eight-year-old girl about that topic. Are you sure. ready? Yep, okay. ready. Let's do Your it. Your first topic is porn. Okay, so there's a great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures about this for parents to help their kids kind of learn about it. And um, I think something you can do is say, hey, there are good pictures on the internet. There are mm -hmm. bad pictures on the internet. Right. If you saw something that you thought were a bad picture, would you feel comfortable talking to me about it? And that's just going to give them the freedom to say, oh, I did see something. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll come when I do. Right. That's great. How about gender? Um, I always like to say, starting in their uh maybe preschool years, you need to start to say things like, it's great to be a girl, affirming their womanhood as much as you can. And one of the things you can do is in driving down the highway or sitting there having breakfast, say, I think it's great to be a girl. Do you also think it's great to be a girl? Mm -hmm. Do your friends think it's great to be a girl? Do your classmates think it's great to be a girl? And that's just going to kind of put feelers out there for your daughter to have the freedom to share with you any lies she may have been exposed to. Okay, great. One more. Mm -hmm. Dating. Well, uh, your daughter probably has friends who are boy crazy. Mm -hmm. So you can say, hey, do you have friends who are boy crazy? Um, it seems like that's a pretty normal thing for girls your age to experience. But when I read my Bible, it says we're not supposed to go along with the crowd, that we're supposed to be different as Christians. So how do you think that applies to be being boy crazy? That's great. Super easy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I love it because it. I think you're showing us that it's important to think about things in advance as you can, you know, yeah. like maybe have a plan or have some thoughts before mm -hmm. conversations happen. But you don't always get the opportunity to prepare in advance, right? Right. Conversations can just happen. Mm -hmm. And that can make us feel really anxious. Yeah. Right? And I found um, in my life, every time I'm just like really full of anxiety, and you've mentioned the word anxiety a couple of mm -hmm. times now in these teachings, I found that when I'm feeling that way and I'm kind of crippled by it, it's because I'm imagining a future that is void of God's grace mm. and love. Like it kind of plays out like that in my head of if this happened, I couldn't handle that. Right. And I forget that God's grace and love is going to be there for me. And then once I realized that, well, it takes a lot of the fear out of, you know, anticipating these hard conversations with our kids Yeah. because those hard conversations are going to come. Yeah. But you know what else is going to come? God's grace and love and mercy. He's done it for me over and over and over again. Yep, me He's too. done it for you, mm -hmm. and He's going to do it for you too. I don't know about you, but I find it can be really hard to be objective about thinking about the lies my kids might believe because, well, they're my kids. <laughs> like, not my precious little angel or this precious child of mine. There's no way they'll ever fall into that kind of a lie or that kind of temptation. Well, we need a little bit of a perspective change when it comes to thinking about all of this with our own kids. So definitely click on the email that you get tomorrow for the next video because it's going to help you find a lot of victory in this area and it really could change a lot for you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll tune in tomorrow for our fourth and final bonus episode in the Lies Moms Believe miniseries where we tackle the lie, my daughter isn't at risk like other girls. Catch you tomorrow.